raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. The Mother Group Hotline, CBS 4 and Fox 59. He is Mike Chappell. So, Mike, is there any way you can envision next year a scenario where you have a rookie quarterback, high first-round draft selection under center for the Colts starting, and looking at Nick Foles as the backup, could that be a reason why they're sure. doing what they're doing coming up on Monday? Oh, I don't know about that. I, 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 don't, I, have, a, I have trouble connecting anything going on now with next year. I, I, <laughs> I mean, they want to see what Nick Foles looks like to see if he's the guy next year. I don't know. Uh, but I can see that happening just because I don't think Ryan's back. Uh, I, I just I, – I, I have been a Matt Ryan supporter for a long time. I really have. And But over the last month, it just, it's just not feasible to keep going. And Foles maybe. And the thing is, you know, think about it. If Foles is back next year, it's pretty – it's really, really inexpensive. I mean, I don't know. What, what's he count like next year against the cap? Three million, four million? So – Right. Uh, which I tell you, let, let, let's project and let's say you, you, you draft a guy fifth and he's not ready and then Foles is your starter. If, you're, if your idea is that he's going to start at least half the season, you've got to address the contract. You can't have Foles being your starter for a chunk of the season making $3 million. That, and, and probably would do that. But I, I just don't think that let's see what he's got for three games to see what he's got next year. I, I you know, now, now unless unless he goes out there and just is awful, which I don't think will be the case, then you know he's not the guy. I, I don't know what he can do other than play well and push the ball down the field for crying out loud uh, to give you the idea that he can do it next year. Uh, but again, like I said, I've, I've sort of I have so separated the final month of the season from next year, other than like, let's get Bernard Ryman some snaps. Yeah. I think he's starting to play. I think he's starting to play pretty well. I really do. Uh, you know, right guard we'll see, but other than that, I just don't know how, what happens now, other than you're affecting your draft position, how it really matters. Oh, I still think they're going to lose, but I think that uh, to me, it's, it's kind of logical to think that it's going to be a Will Levis, Nick Foles type of starter and backup in 2023. Well, if it's not Foles, it's somebody. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to get, and at least if Foles goes out there and is is uh, competent, is some level of, you know, moving the ball and scoring points and converting and this, that, and the other, then I think you've got something. And if not, then then again, you've got to find – somebody else you're going to have to find you know the the sixth straight starting quarterback or whatever to, to get you to, to the let the, to where the rookie's ready so uh that, that's where that's why you know it'd really be i think it would be somewhat uh soothing to the franchise if if Foles went out there and played well and and you know that that worst case worst case he can be your veteran 
Yeah, it, 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 I suppose it could be that even if he plays well, they may want somebody else next year. But I don't know if that's the case because, you know, whoever you get's going to be sort of Nick Foles-like. It's going to be the, the the usual suspects, you know, the the veteran guys, the Marcus Mariotas and people like that. But, you know, th- there will be a veteran quarterback here next year because there has to be. You, you, you're not going to. You're not going to draft a guy fifth or sixth or whatever and say, you know, you know, throw him in the deep end of the pool. So that that that's what's really curious is is will Foles show something to where he's the guy maybe? Uh, but they had you know back to they had to make the move because going sticking with what they were doing was just unfair to everybody. So Mike Chappell of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So. Like me, do you believe they feel they know exactly what needs to be known regarding Sam Ellinger at this point? Yeah, don't you think? Uh, I mean, they, if there were still question, then they would have started him. But if I'm Jeff Saturday, I mean, he he's, he is not even the least bit worried about draft picks and all that. He, he wants – these games are going on his resume, the same with – with, with Yannick Ngakwe and, and Quentin Nelson and, and all these veteran guys, the fourth Buckner, they, they want to win. They, they don't like for a second to be the, the, the laughing stock and, and the butt end of jokes and all that. It's, this is, again, it's easy for us to be critical, and, and we all are, and, you know, sometimes over the top. This is their jobs. This is, this is what they are, you know, you sort of enjoy people taking shots at you because that's part of that's part of the the environment we're in and and, and all that. I, I don't know that I would like. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like it, but these these players don't for a second like you know. Hey, you guys gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter, the most ever, blah blah. And then, you know, by the way, you gave up the greatest collapse in NFL history, 102 years. I mean, we're talking ever ever. So uh, they, they they are a hundred percent dialed into now to Monday, and they they want to quit being the butt end of jokes. And it, it's funny I, I I've written a couple times how you know Dallas was was rock bottom, and then well now Minnesota's rock bottom. I mean is is there something lower? Can they can they do something worse? I I don't know. I hope not. You know because again I. I, I I know the people out there, and, and they're invested. This is their job, whether it's Reggie as a receivers coach, whether it's Jeff Saturday, whether it's all these guys, you know, Cato June and the players. So I hope they find a way to get this thing. I can't say turned around. It's too late for that. But to where they finish, to where people aren't aren't just laughing and, and just making and poking fun at them, because this is this is their job. This is what they do, and they take great pride at it and generally people don't like to be made fun of hey mike does jim ursay believe in chris ballard because he believes in chris ballard the football decision maker or he looks at man i'm going to be paying a lot of dues to do nothing here if i go any further with it what does jim ursay really believe he really believes in chris ballard uh but you're right. If, if to get rid of your GM, you're already paying your head coach. What is it, thirty some million dollars? And, and, and 
I guess if I cared more, I'd look into it. But I'm guessing that if that if Frank Wright gets a job, that money is sort of offset. I think, you know, if you get, I, and maybe Frank doesn't coach for a year. I don't know. I mean, didn't Doug Peterson take a year off? So maybe maybe he takes a year off, but then he gets a job, and then some of that money is deferred or not deferred, but erased. But yeah, I mean, if he gets rid of Chris Ballard, not only then are you paying, you know, Chris Ballard's contract, you're paying, you know, two guys to replace him. So you're paying two coaches, a coach and a GM, not to coach and GM, and then you're paying two guys to coach and GM. So it's it's expensive, and and that's that's real money. You know, you know, we always talk about how you know Jim Irsay is, is loaded, and the, the NFL sort of makes it makes it hard to lose money, and all, because of all the TVs and all this stuff, that's real money. I, but I, I, I think I, I don't think any decision on Chris will be made with finances. I, I think Chris is back next year. I do, uh, and I'm sure some of the fan base cringes. He, I've talked to him enough. He trusts him. He knows that he's made mistakes. Uh, but I think he trusts Chris Ballard to fix this. And we, we, you know, you can argue, and we can argue, and the fans can be irate about that. But I truly believe, deep down, he believes in Chris Ballard, and he's going to give Chris Ballard a chance to fix this. I know what I think regarding Chris Ballard and his biggest mistake. It was basically the blueprint of this build. What do you think has been the the biggest mistake of Ballard to where we are right now with six years and this complete lack of success? I I, I know where you're coming from, and and I will agree to a point. I don't disagree that you need to be strong up front. Uh, You've got to be strong offensive line, defensive line. But I think you can can do that and still – and still invest in 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 skill in, in in receivers. I think I don't think it's one or the other. I think you can do both. And I think the big sort of the biggest failing, not I mean the well, the failing's been they've not gotten a quarterback or a left tackle or a pass rusher. I mean, but as far as philosophy, I think the the biggest complaint that I've had. I'm not going to say failing. I'm just going to say different. The difference I have with it, and you and I sort of agree on this is. Is this is a passing league, and you got to have guys. You got to have not guys that you kind of like, or you know. And, and I don't mean to disparage, but not Zach Pascal. You know, you you need you need guys who who can go out there and, and be difference makers and and be more. If I, again, I think you can you can be strong offensive line, defensive line, and still go out there and get you some some good receivers better receivers I, and that's that's the biggest difference i have with it and, and and maybe maybe they'll do that but if they don't, if they don't get the quarterback I mean, what's the matter so the, the the biggest thing obviously is going to be getting the right guy in april and and then and then having the guy to to, to help nurture him but yeah i i know where i know where you're coming from and that, that's why I say I agree with you. But I think you can, I think you can still do that. You can have that as your foundation, and then still go out and get receivers. And and, and I know it's, it's, it's funny how that's that's always since Chris has been here. You know, it, it, it's been 
you know, the, the media has been said, where's the receivers? And he says, we got receivers. And, and we say, well, but no, you need better ones. And he says, no, we got hearts are good enough. That's, that's where, and, and it's got to be playful at times. I thought it was even playful in the Jim Irsay interview or uh, uh, the, the Jeff Saturday, you know, introductory press conference. It just didn't come off that way because that was such a wacky uh, evening. But that's the big thing I would say is, is hopefully moving forward, they'll, they'll understand or not understand they'll come to the realization that they need to be better at receiver. Cause I, I, I think this group has been, had good enough is such a bad phrase. I thought they, I think they've overachieved this group. I think they've done more than what we anticipated. Have, although they've turned Michael Pittman into a session receiver, he's got to be crazy. He, he's going to be going crazy with, with what they've done with his skill set. I mean, 10 catches for 60 yards, really? He, he is so much better than that. But that's what this passing game has done to him. And but moving forward, I, I hope I hope they expand their their talent depth at receiver. See what you're talking about too, Mike. Is I just kind of look at it this way, and I'm not I'm not anti Chris Ballard because I want to be a jerk about it. I'm just at least from what I believe, living in reality of watching you know Chris Ballard work for the past six years, and the reason you bring up. The frustration of Michael Pittman Jr. is the philosophy of Chris Ballard. That's the reason. That's the reason. I, I think you can look at him and the failure of this build, his foundational failure with this group where they are right now and find enough evidence to where you could go ahead and move on from him if you wanted to. Now, if it's monetary, then Okay. But I think you can find enough evidence here to say, hey, enough is enough. We've seen enough. This is not going to work. This is not going to be a quick change here. And I, I, that's, that's kind of how I view it. It's not so much, you know, wanting to get rid of somebody. I'm not wanting to get rid of people. I'm not wanting to fire people. But at the same time, that's just the reality we live in. He's just not gotten the job done. And there doesn't look like that there is a great deal of vision further down the road where all of a sudden this thing is going to trip the right direction. Well, and again, we, we talk, you know, Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder and Joel Erickson and all these guys, we, we sit there, Kevin Bowen, we sit there yep. uh, in a meeting room because, because again, it, it, there's, there's so little to talk about about this year because this thing has gone down the dumpster. And that's kind of what we talked about it. And I think you can make a. This is one of those really strange situations where you you can, I can make a strong argument to bring Ballard back. Now you, you I know you don't agree with that, but I I, I could you know just like like my college senior exam in debate, I, I I could argue strongly to bring him back, and I could argue strongly to not bring him back. And I don't know which I'd be stronger on. That doesn't really matter. But I think there's evidence both ways. But but your point is is, to, is totally on point. Is is but he's had X number of years to do this, and here's where we are. And that and you're 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 right. I sort of I sort of and maybe I'm just getting too old for this. But it's always the devil you don't, and the devil you don't know, and 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 that's that's no way to to operate things. I think he's done some good things. It's just, boy, those two or three things that haven't worked 
are franchise killers. If not franchise killers, they're franchise impeders to, to, to keep you from going where you want to go. But I, I hear your point, and everything you say will be valid. And I just think I, I am – what to call – they had a 33-point they, – they, when they were 33 to nothing, the Vikings they had a 99.9% chance of winning. And that's where I, that's where I, I am now with Ballard. I I'm, I think there's a 99.9 percent chance he's back. It's probably even more than that. I I just think he's back. Uh, and you know what that's going to do? It's going to it's going to give all the all the critics a forum to say, "Are you crazy? I mean, what 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 makes you think that this is going to work now?" But the owner believes it. I. I I really believe the owner really believes it, not because of the money, but the owner really believes that Chris is a very, very good, very, very good at what he does. And despite the two or three areas where they've had trouble, I, I, I'm just convinced that the owner believes that Chris Ballard is the guy to fix it. And, and, and I understand all the criticism from people, valid criticism from people who don't agree with that. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, Jeff, Saturday, does Jim Mersey feel the same way even as we sit here and talk right now about the interim head coach? I think he's not lost trust in Jeff Saturday. <laughs> it's, that, that's going to be interesting. It really is. I think there's more of a chance of him coming back than what people think. And having said that, I'm not sure what over these, what's going to be eight games, what's going to tell you that. I mean, they did, they gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter at Dallas. They give up the greatest collapse in in NFL history. Now, unless this thing really, I don't say really goes south. It's already south. I mean, we're already in the southern hemisphere. Uh, I don't know what would could happen to change the owner's mind. I mean, keep in mind, they've got to go through the interview process with and adhere to the Rooney rule with, I think, it, I think it's talking to a couple of minority coaches along with Jeff and whomever else. I think there's a decent chance that Jeff's back. I, and, and again, and again, it's going to be so easy for critics to say, are you out of your mind? Uh, but the owner's going to do what the owner's going to do, and he's going to do what he believes in. And for the most part, he isn't going to care if there's if there's uh, you know a groundswell of criticism over it. If he, if he believes Jeff's the guy to do it, and I, and if that's the case, let's say that he is back. He he and Chris Ballard would have to be. When I'm saying he, I mean Jeff Saturday. He, he and he and Chris Ballard would need to have some 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 uh, coming to agreement on how things are because I to my core I don't believe Chris Ballard was in favor of firing Frank and bringing in Jeff I just I just don't I, I mean, I've got a picture of Chris Ballard at that press conference and he didn't look like he was very happy but you know I it, it it's such a strange it's gonna be such a strange off strange off season you know, I think before long, Jimmy's going to come out and say, yes, I mean, he's already here. Jack Kiefer already did a, a good story on the athletic where he, he, the owner basically said, I'd have to go back and look at what the wording was, but basically said that 
Chris is going to be back. And, and, and then so once that domino falls, then the next domino will be the, the coaching search, what, what, however long and however many people that in, entails. And then the next one's going to be the quarterback. Although the, the, before the, the, the draft, you're going to have, you know, re-signing and not re-signing players. You know, they, they've got a lot of very significant free agents to deal with. Hopefully, one of them's Chase McLaughlin. That guy, that kid's earned, that kid's earned a, a contract. Um, so it's we talked. I tell you, it seems like it's crazy. The last two or three years, we've talked about. You know, this is the most consequential off season in many years. Well, here we are again. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many? This one's more consequential because the, the the first consequential one didn't didn't pan out. So it's it's not going to be a quiet off season. And fortunately, the combine's here again, so at least we can talk to the quarterbacks and and see who they're going to get. I tell you, because if they need to move up, if they can stay stand pat at five or six, fine. If they have to give up something to move up higher. There may not many, be many other draft picks to worry about, depending on what you have to give to, to, to move up. So it's going to be a huge off season. And we talked about this last last week, and, and fans don't want to hear it. But th- this is going to take a year or two to, to, to get the back to where you want to be. And while normally that would – fans don't want to hear that because they've gone through the last – two games of last year and this year and they're just they're tired they're tired of being told you know you trust us we'll get this right but i think if they get a quarterback at five or six whatever they end up being and he's a guy that you can see might is probably the guy and he's got and you've got a future with him i think the fan base will be okay with that i think they'll be yeah i think that yeah i I think the fan base to this point, they yeah, probably feel as if they're going to have to see it before they can right. believe anything. And I don't blame them. I don't blame I, them I, at I all. I mean, you're, 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 you're just kind of, yeah, you're just kind of at a point where you, you, all right, enough of, you know, what they say every single year about this is great and that is great. Yep. I, I mean, alone, you think about the evaluation of Matt Ryan and how Matt Ryan has looked this season and that's kind of what the Falcons fans, everybody was screaming on Twitter when the Colts made that deal. Hey, yeah. you know, what you're getting right now is not the Matt Ryan as to what you think you're getting. Right. And clearly the Colts didn't see that. Right. And maybe that's because they wanted to see. They wanted to see a Matt Ryan, not 2017 yes. Matt Ryan, but, two, you know, to where this guy could still, you know, make the proverbial layups, which – you know, as the season went on, that's not been the case. I, again, I think as long as the fan base sees, I guess, a vision and they see a quarterback and they see moves being made and they see Quiddy Pay getting better and they see this, that, and the other, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor back, I think I, I think they'll I think they'll be fine. I, I really do. But right now, you, you ju- what, what do you say? How do you say? Yeah, boy, I see light at the end of the tunnel. What? I mean, right now, all you've got is, is a high draft pick. You have no idea who it's going to be. Once you once you get people in place, whether Chris Ballard and, and Jeff Saturday or the head coach, 
and then the quarterback, and then you, your roster takes shape. Then I think the fan base can say, okay, you know, we're not crazy about having, having to wait another year or two, but at least we can see what what this might be. I, I think that that will behoove the team. To, it, it'll give the team, it'll buy the team some time to get this thing turned around, because right now it, it's hard to say you know, stick with us because we're going to get this turned around because there's so many moving parts that you just don't know who's going to be in those spots. You think Jim Irsay would take a big swing at Jim Harbaugh? Well, don't you at least have to kick the tires and and just say... There's no doubt. There's no doubt. What what do you think? I I, I think, Mike, honestly, you can answer this. I think think the only thing that brings fan base and everybody back together with a a legitimate sign of hope is Harbaugh. I think that's what does that. I, I'm very curious the weekend of the, of the football playoffs, because I've not seen much from Harbaugh. Maybe they've not had any access to him. I want to see how he deals with, with questions about going to the NFL. And they have to come up. I mean, his, his name has been out there, and I, I hope somebody – at these press conferences, ask more than just, you know, what do you think? I hope there's two or three follow-ups and would you do it and how committed are you to Michigan? And and that's where you, you don't want to hear, well, well right now I'm the, I'm the Wolverines coach. Yeah, bull. You know, what, 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 what if the Colts are? I hope someone, and may, I, I would think the Michigan beat writers would, is, is how committed are you to, to Michigan? Do you want to be, you know, do you want to be Bo Schembechler and be there forever? Or do you, do, do, is, does the ego say, you know, I did it once at a high level at, in the NFL and I want to do it again. And, and I think Jim Mercy at least has to, at least has to have a conversation and see. And of course, boy, you do that. Let, let, let's say you call and he says, yeah, I do it. Can you imagine what it's going to cost? <laughs> so... But boy, you, you at least have to call and, and and say, "Hey, Jim, what do you think?" And, and see where it goes. And it probably goes nowhere, but at least you need to call. No doubt about that. Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Mike, I appreciate you more than you know. We'll see you in the press box on Monday. Have a great Christmas over there in Beach Grove. Okay. Yeah, everybody out there, be safe. If we get the Armageddon weather, which Maybe we won't. Maybe we will. But be safe and have a good have a good holiday weekend. You got it, Mike. Thank you. Later. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba da ba ba ba. And participating McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. He covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. Dustin DePurek joins us. Um, I, I'm kind of curious. People have asked me this, and I don't think so. But do, do you think anything last night in that Tyrese Halliburton performance 
came off of what was the heels and the motivation for whatever the reason was behind the Wally Zerbiak comments on Sunday after that Knicks win over the Pacers? I mean, maybe. Um, uh, we didn't really push him on it on uh, in practice, but I think he did a Taylor Rooks interview and was just like, well, what, what's the deal with this guy? Why did he have all this stuff to say? Um, so there might have been something there, but I mean, there, like, I, I think that might have sort of fed into sort of a larger, you know, it might have been a stream leading into a larger sort of river of, of motivation just because, I mean, obviously they didn't uh, they, they didn't close the last two games well. He didn't perform particularly well in, in the in late uh, uh, against the Knicks, didn't perform particularly well um, against Cleveland down the stretch, especially at the end of that game. Um, I think he felt like he didn't need to step up, and I don't think, you know, I mean, I thought the Wally thing was weird and bizarre. I mean, but, I mean, like, it's a toss-up as to whether you know, he's an all-star. He's not a faker or want to be anything. Um, but, you know, I think he's aware that you know he needs to or, uh, he needs to perform better um, in crunch time. He made some big shots, you know, uh, last night, but obviously they, they didn't perform well as a group. Uh, you know, down the stretch, really held on for dear life. And if, if that game's five more minutes, they get crushed. Um, so I think he's he's motivated by knowing, hey, like you are going to be judged, you know, by how your team performs, and you, you've got to step it up. So I think that might have that might have added a little bit into that you know, stuff that was already going in that direction. I think he was aware that he needed to to step up and ha- have a better game than he had the game before. You know, Dustin, the thing that impressed me about him is you could tell coming out of the second half. I mean, Boston was loaded up for him. I mean, they were going to pick him up full court. Going to try to keep the ball away from him when the ball got to him. They were going to try to double team to make sure the ball got out of his hands. And he handled that, I felt, fantastically. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he's, he's just such a smart player. He's he's got such a high basketball IQ. I mean, like, like the more you talk to him, the more you realize like how much he's processing uh, in a short amount of time and how much he knows to expect. I mean, he watches a lot of basketball. You can tell he thinks about it a lot. Uh, so he wasn't surprised, basically, especially after that a 15 point first quarter with five assists uh, and hit three threes. He knew that okay, they're going to try to take the ball out of my hand. They're going to try to run everything after me. Um, and he still did some special things, you know, especially in the second half. You know, especially in the fourth quarter, made some really deep shots. There was a lot of a, a lot of ragged stuff going on down that stretch, but he found a way to make shots. But yeah, no, I mean he is he's aware when double teams are coming. He's aware when he's going to get switched on. You know, he, he always has a sense of what the other team wants to do and why. Uh, I think that's the other thing I think is really interesting about him. When you talk to him, they know why he knows why the other team does what it does. He knows what to expect them to do. You know what their motivations are. You know what's going to change. Like why they're going to start caring about certain things. Uh, that if you make one shot one time, they're going to notice it. Um, He's, yeah, just really, really, really good poise. Doesn't make the, the right decision all the time. You know, doesn't ever do everything right all the time, but really has a, a sharp understanding of the game. And so he is going to be prepared for some of that, that stuff. He's not, he, he doesn't get really rattled again. I mean, he can make mistakes and go through stretches of play where he's not very good, but he, you know, he, he, he always kind of knows what's going on and, and, and what to expect from, from opponents. Dustin DePurak covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis stories on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So the issues with closing games, I thought their best game of the year against a really good team was that for the most of the way against Cleveland. Then they fade late in the fourth. Um, we saw them fade in the fourth as well against the Knicks. And then last night, I don't know what in the world they were doing. I mean, they were bouncing the ball around, losing it, throwing it away. It was just really ridiculous. What, um, what is some of the reason behind that? What's Rick Carlisle say about why might there be a – uh, a reason behind you know, some of the uh, the follies, I guess, we have seen in late game situations with them. 
Yeah, I mean there have been there have been a few different things, and I think it's it, it has been different in different games. I asked him. I, I asked him specifically uh, last night. I'm not on the trip, but they they got me on Zoom, uh, you know, for the for the post game. And I asked, you know, what what, what you know you, you move the ball so well. I mean, they had 12 assists on 16 buckets in the first in the first quarter. I mean, that that really I thought was what drove that 18 nothing run. Everything they did really well in the first, I think, was driven by really good ball movement, really sharp passing, uh, and and they only had one turnover that quarter. They only had three turnovers the whole first half. They had 11 in the f- fourth quarter. I mean, they were just kicking around. It's like, okay, how are these the same guys that were so sharp before? And, and like his sort of, he, he wasn't really specific on an explanation there, but he said he really felt like, you know, they had the leverage in the first half and they were playing downhill for most of the first half. Uh, and Boston really turned that around and, and brought more, uh, you know, just you know had more of the hit first mentality. And, you know, obviously one side sort of bleeds into the other when the other team's, you know, making a whole bunch of shots and you can't get going in transition because they're you know you know you're, you're taking the ball out of the net and they've got a set defense. It's harder for you to do a lot of the fun stuff that you, you like to do when, when you like to run and stuff like that. And they obviously defended really well uh, in the first quarter. Boston was eight for twenty four. I think they missed a bunch in a row. Um, and you know, in like especially in the fourth quarter, you know, but really in the entire second half, uh, they were just rebounding off the charts. Uh, you know, like it, the Celtics were getting you know secondary possession, so it, it's leading to sort of just generally more ragged against you know set defenses, you know, offense and stuff like that. But I, I think there was, I mean, I think they were trying to force it. You know, rather than force shots, they were trying to force passes into some tight windows, and some guys weren't just some guys just weren't catching the ball. Um, but it was it was just kind of a mess. But I think he just overall just said, you know, the Celtics were were the aggressor just all around uh, in the second half, and in particular the fourth quarter, and, and, and the, you know, the pace just kind of crunched up um, and just made mistake after mistake, and they were just fortunate to get out of there with a win. It's uh, Dustin DePierre covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Last time out, it was a slugfest. It was a disappointing slugfest, but what might the Pacers have for the Heat coming up tomorrow night, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be aware that the Heat are really going to try to, to slow them down, and I think they're going to be aware that they have to be more physical. Uh, that That's really been a, a, a point of emphasis really since the Brooklyn game. And, and they were physical against Miami. I don't know if they were aware for the grind that was coming. Um, but but as you mentioned, I mean, I thought Cleveland was some of their best play of the year before they just, you know, the, the bottom fell out um, in the fourth quarter. And so I, I think you've seen more of an ability uh, from these guys to be physical, to hit first, you know, to bump. To box out, um, and, you know, really since my, the Miami game was kind of the beginning of that. So I think they're aware of what's coming. I think they learned some things about how to push tempo against teams that don't want you to run uh, against Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland came into that game, and I think they're still last in the league in pace, last in the league in points, last in the league in points allowed. They just they play the slowest basketball uh, in the NBA. And so, you know, after you, you kind of get Cleveland a little bit sped up, maybe you get Miami a little bit sped up. But I, mean, I think the tough part is still going to be, um, you know, Miami can match up with, with Halliburton pretty well in particular, you know, out of yeah. is just such a good pick and roll. Defender high ball. Hey, the, the, the high ball with, with Hey, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but the, the no, high ball, right. the screen and roll with, uh, with Halliburton and miles doesn't work nearly as well with Miami because out of bio. Yeah, it's, it's the whole reason. It's the whole reason. I mean, like, I mean, it's so good against so many other people. I mean, he just, you know, Ty, yeah. Tyrese is just so good on a ball screen and makes so many smart decisions with it. But when you bring Bam, I mean, it's just a different game. And and I'm not you even saw just the rest of the week, you know, things that that you know other other teams try to do a lot of the same thing, bring their five up and try to you know try to double team the ball for a little while, you know, leave the five up there and, and you kind of try to defend Halliburton with length. It was like, no, you can't, <laughs> you can't do it. He's going to break you down. He's going to take you to the rim. He's too 
fast for you. Um, but Bam, Bam can stick with him. Uh, and that it really tells you just how special uh, of a defender Bam Adebayo is. There's, there's not a lot of other guys in the league that can do that. Not too many people can do that. But that was exactly what it was. They could take away that high ball screen. It's so effective for so many point guards. It's just been such a big part of basketball, really, at all levels, uh, really, in the last five, ten years. Uh, just running that high ball screen and getting stuff mo- moving off of that. But but Bam's too good, you know. Bam's too good, and you got to find other ways to attack him uh, because even other teams that like to slow you down, um, you know, can't take that away like Bam Adebayo can. No doubt about that. So, what's your impression on this team? Where they are right now, going into the uh, the Christmas day, which is big in the NBA, and certainly, you know, as we uh, on the verge of going into you know twenty twenty three. How do they feel about Miles, for example? Well, where is that feeling right now? I know not a lot has been said. Are we still under the impression that you're regardless of something stratospherically happening, that he's probably going to be traded before the trade deadline? I mean, I, I think you still lean there um, at this point. I think they, you know, like you you got to feel good enough. If, if you're Kevin Pritchard, I mean, first off, you obviously need a real return. You know, you, you don't want to throw him away for peanuts. Uh, you you got to get something out of him, and, and, and you might, you know, hold on until uh, the deadline so that you, you've got kind of maximum leverage there. You know, I think, obviously, the team that seemed most interested for a long time was the Lakers, and if you're the Lakers, like, why? You know, I mean, like, you're 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 – you're not going anywhere, you know, like what do you need yeah. to throw future assets away for, for this team? You know, I, I, I don't really see it. Um, you know, I, mean, I think if, if you're the Lakers, you'd rather have Buddy Heald, you know, that, that gives you maybe more of an opportunity. Um, if you're trying to turn something around, you need, you need perimeter shooters more than you need anything else. I mean, like obviously Davis being out is an issue. Um, but you know, I, I don't know the, the big gets you the same thing. I, I just don't think you're that close to what you have to give away from Miles Turner. Um, but you know, there, there could come a time when somebody else needs, him or really wants him and and you you've got to get a real return um and so i I would say it it makes more sense to move him um if you're where they are uh obviously if you fall if you feel if you totally fall off the map uh then you have to get rid of him um but you know if if you're in a position where you're still kind of in that play in range where you're between the seven and ten spots or you're on the fringe of that you're, you're on the opposite edge of that you know at 11 or so um you probably still have to make the move if if you get a good enough deal um yeah i don't know that it's not, not like worth letting him walk to hold him for the entire season um, so that you can be the seventh seed, and, and maybe you get in, and maybe you don't through the play-in. Um, so you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I would lean towards it just for that reason, but you know, I mean, they really like this group, and obviously Miles would have to sit to give more indication that he's willing to sign for something reasonable uh, for them to yeah. want to keep him. Um, you know, they, they, he'd have to really put some, you know, really put some. Um, uh, you know, put his emotions out there to say that no, I really, really want to stay and I'll sign for 28 million as opposed to 35 or something like that. Um, you know, that's just kind of throwing darts at the wall at numbers. I mean, I don't have any of that from anybody. So that's just, that's just me just sort of guessing. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's enjoying it, but you know, it's, it's a little bit less fun than how they've been losing when they were winning like crazy for a little while. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be on the team. And so, I mean, he obviously is going to have a lot to do with this and, and, and say, okay, like, what can you pay me to stick around? You know, I mean, I think if you ask them both right now, do they want, 
in, you know, Miles in Indiana next year, they would both say yes, but it's a question of, but what are you willing to give up? Yeah. You know, if you're the Pacers, what are you willing to spend? And, and if you're if, if you're Miles, what are you willing to sign for? How much of a discount are you willing to give? And, you know, that's kind of the big question is, is are, are they anywhere near close to what it would take? And I don't know. So, I mean, I, I would lean towards thinking that Miles will get moves. Again, that's not anybody telling me that it'll directly happen. That's just sort of my common sense feel um, for where things are going. Um, but for this group, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously interesting. I mean, they can, they've certainly proven they can be competitive with anybody, everybody, anybody every night, but they can also lose those games. You know, they, they can, again, go run up by 30 points and play really, really, really good basketball and fall off the tabletop at the end, and it's a coin flip as to whether they win the game or not. Um, so what, what that probably leads to is they're going to be, you know, sitting right at 500 probably for a while, and then you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, what is it worth it to keep together a 500 team from February to the end, to to the beginning of April? Like, what's what's really the, the long term cost that you're willing to pay for that? And that probably leads to uh, making some moves. Hey, my man, have a great time down in South Beach. I, hell, I think it's going to be cold down there too. <laughs> I'm but not at least on there. I'm you're... not on the trip. I'm not on the trip. I got oh, well, 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 good right for now. you. Happy <laughs> holidays to you. Thanks Happy for, for you coming well. on here as always and. Uh, we'll do it again either before the start of the new year or after the new year, Dustin. Appreciate yeah, you. Wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.